Hello to you all. My name is Jet Tattersall and welcome once again to the Women in Pop podcast. It is lovely to be with you all. Before we get started, we need to let you know that issue seven of Women in Pop is days away from release. We have some incredible women featured on this next edition, plus there are some rather lovely pictures of myself, apparently. So stay tuned to our social media channels to find out who will be appearing in Issue 7. Just search for Women in Pop on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And to get your issue before everybody else, you can subscribe now at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Now, if you happen to peruse issue three of Women in Pop magazine, you would have found a rather delightful article on today's guest. She exploded into the music scene in 2016 with one of the biggest international hits of the year, Call On Me, and has since performed with Katy Perry, Cher, oh my God, and Clean Bandit, one of the very few artists to amass over one billion streams of her music. She has recently released a new single, The Glorious Lovers and Strangers, and she is here to tell us all about it. It is, of course, the wonderful Starly. Starly, hello and welcome to Women in Pop. Hi, thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. That was um, an awesome intro. <laughs> Loved it. It's like, da-da. Yeah, if I just had that in my head every day when I'm going to the gym, I'd be awesome. I'd <laughs> be just, ripped. Like a power board. Like, yeah, yeah I did. Like, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm amazing. <laughs> Um, Well, you are because I was thinking about it earlier. One billion streams. Now, that Mm. is a lot of people. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out how do you even try and sort of see those faces? Because you can go like 100, 10, but a billion, it's a lot. And I was doing a little search. And apparently at the moment, the world's population is up to 7.7 billion. Wow. So think about out of that. Yeah. You've got one billion of those people going, tune dance, listen, like hearts thumping. That's a lot of the world. Yeah, that's amazing. I will say, I don't want to diminish it or anything, but I will say it's probably, it's probably close to like maybe half those people streaming it more than once. So that's what I think, because I, I don't think, especially when you love a song, I stream a song that I like at least three times, if not more. That is true. That's how I kind of think about it. But then you can like lose the number and go, but that's the heart. So those people that streamed it more than once, that's a lot of love. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. But yeah, it's an amazing thing regardless. I'm so excited and and blessed that that has even happened. And just to rack those numbers a little bit higher, we're just going to play that now. If the answer isn't fair, then call on me. When you need somebody, when you can't stop the tears from falling. Oh, God, what a tune. Seriously. Such a global hit. And I just, it was such a heartfelt track for me personally. And of course, it then got remixed. We got it dancing. But what I love about your music is you really do write from the gut, which I don't think always comes hand in hand with pop music. So congratulations to you, which is also why I think you were so popular. Thank Um, you. Continuing to write from the heart, such as Call On Me, you went on to release Love Is Love, which is a raw, hero-loving, it's like a an anthem track, but it's full of support, which I think is really beautiful. 
Um, your honesty and once again resonating with your fans across the heart. You had their back. You pulled the words uh, from their difficult times of their own hearts and you purred that into that wonderful melody. Yeah. Do you feel that music and activism are inherently connected? I think, um, yes. I say that music is one of the most powerful mediums in the world to open people's hearts. Um, because music is one of those things where you, you're, you don't realize, but you're vulnerable when you listen to music and it just, it's a different feeling. Uh, I, I learned that when I was singing in church, when I was a kid, when I sung in church and I felt like I was singing to God, it was a different feeling from anything else. And I knew that I couldn't get that from anything other than music. Um, and I, I definitely think that you can, people's guards come down when they listen to music. So it's a really good way. It's very... Um, it's not an aggressive way of doing, it's really kind of a very simple way of opening someone's heart and mind. And you say that opening up someone's heart and mind, Love is Love was written for your father, was it? When? Yeah, it was, it was really a therapy for myself. I kind of, um, I was going through a really hard time because I grew up not knowing that I was bisexual and fluid, didn't know. And once I finally figured it out, uh, my parents were really kind of shocked about it. So it was a hard thing for them to handle because we, we grew up in a religious family. My dad's very old school. You know, he's, he's from Africa. He's from Mauritius. Very, very old school. And they just didn't suspect at all that I might be fluid. And um, so once they got that news, it was they took it really hard. And we're in a much better place now. But I went through a really hard time. And a lot of the, th you know, when I write music, it kind of helps me it's like therapy for me. And amazingly, it's also therapy for the people that listen to it. And especially people going through the same struggles. And a lot of people reached out at that time saying, oh my gosh, I played this to my parents. My mom didn't understand. And when I played her this song, we both broke down crying and we, we were embracing. And even just for one person to tell me that means means more to me than anything, like for, for all the angst that I had putting it out there, because I was very scared to put that song out into the world because it was so raw. Um, that makes up for it, for people to relate to it. So, yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. And you're just totally right. It's not everyone has that ability to get it out. So if you don't have a song, have a pop song that's able to do that for people, that's unbelievable. And you've completely answered my question. Um, so thank you very much. Awesome. I want to talk about your new single, Lovers and Strangers, which I just keep playing and playing and playing. First oh, of all, yay. just... Even the album art, you've got this little Michelangelo, yeah. you know, the creation of Adam. I saw that. Yeah. It's very good. <laughs> um, the lyrics are about how people can become so intimate as lovers and yeah. then as a relationship grows and goes through its acts, they can become strangers. Yeah. Um, again, something that really resonates with people, but often not what you hear in a song, those three acts of a relationship breaking down, particularly yeah. if not someone's not hurt another person, like it just yep. comes apart. Yep. Can you talk me through the inspiration to that one? Yeah. Um, so again, uh, hopefully my parents, <laughs> they, they understand that. Yeah, I think they do by now that I just have to write these things. But it's funny that they keep coming up in the conversation. But my mom, I live in LA and my mom's here with my father. They, uh, My dad and mom live together in, in Sydney. And she'd written to me and said um, she invited my ex over for dinner. And we'd been together since I was in high school. So it was a really close relationship that I once had with him. And I tried really hard to 
not stay in contact because I wanted him to move on with his life and I wanted to move on with mine. And I thought that it would be selfish for me to just stay, you know, in contact and kind of keep reaching out and say, even to say happy birthday, just whatever it was, I felt like I needed to let him move on. And I was trying really hard. And then my mum messaged me and said she invited him for dinner. She told me his whole, everything caught me up in his entire life without me even requesting. And I just was a bit taken aback and I've, I've, all the feelings came rushing back of the fact that we I, we don't know each other at all anymore and it, it was a really, I was a little bit sad about it and I, I wrote that song based off of that. So yeah, that's where it comes from. That's so beautiful and you're so right. You can have this really close connection with someone yep. and unfortunately because it's that kind of relationship, not that kind of relationship, yep. you do just inevitably have to separate and it's quite heartbreaking. Yep, and I, and I still... You know, the thing was, was that I still had a lot of love for him. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just didn't, it just doesn't disappear, that kind of thing. But I wasn't in love with him. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have that type of relationship where we parted ways because we hated each other. And that was the hardest thing, because if we hated each other, it'd be a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, that's what that song's about. But it's still upbeat because I think, well, right now I'm in a really happy relationship. And I think that there's always you know, something good always comes out of something, you know, heartbreaking. It always happens like that. So I always put hope into my songs because I think that's just how life is. You always go on to something else. That is gorgeous. And I'm going to play that now for anyone that hasn't had a chance to listen to it. This is Starly with Lovers and Strangers. Video. I mean, we've got these absolutely beautiful individuals all sitting in a tree with you, followed by a gorgeous picnic. And what I feel is, like we just discussed, that pull away yeah. and that break away. How, how did that video come about? Did you actually audition real couples? Like, Well, yeah, they're, they're actually all real couples, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah, it, it was the story that I, would, I was speaking to the director, Millicent, um, in L.A., and we, she's actually British. And we were just talking about the song and she said, I, you know, I think that we need to show the evolution of what actually happens in a beautiful young relationship when you're just sort of innocent going into it, thinking everything's going to be peachy and then suddenly it's not and what, what that feels like. And so, yeah, we tried to depict that through, through the imagery of like a beautiful picnic and um, sitting in a tree together and all that kind of thing. And yeah, it's, it's a beautiful video, very colourful. Very colourful. And, you know, I wore some wigs love. in there too, which was my first time wearing wigs. Um, I was always against it. I was not against it, but I really had a thing about having my natural hair all the time because for so long people told me that um, I needed to straighten my hair or something if I wanted to be an artist. And so once I understood how to do my hair, I wanted my natural hair all, all the time. But this video, I let that go and I, I just I wore some wigs. So it was fun. You said that people wanted to change you as an artist. Was that around the explosion of your career and you were being micromanaged? Or? No, no, it was when I was much younger. When I actually thought, 
I thought I couldn't be an artist because I was told so many times that I didn't have the right look or, you know, whatever else. I was too chubby or I need to straighten my hair, a lot of things like that. And uh, that was one of the big reasons why I moved to England when I was young, because I couldn't get get a shot. And it's amazing how, you know, time changes, times change. And then also I changed in the way that I viewed, cause, because that's only a few people in a position to tell me that. It doesn't mean that's the way everybody thinks. And when I came back, I was, I was just a lot more confident. And uh, almost when I nearly gave up music and I wrote Call On Me, I thought, well, I'll give it one more shot and I'll do this myself. And I didn't care what anybody thought about the way I looked. I thought, it's not about the way I look, it's about my music. And funnily enough, I got a deal in Australia at an indie label and, and that's, the way, that's the way it went. So it's amazing that it went full circle back to Australia. And so do you think as, I mean, obviously the words that people say, particularly words of people in power in an industry that is so cutthroat, particularly when you're coming in as a young artist, those words said by generally big old men executives telling you what to think. As much as there's probably a small party going, don't listen to him, don't listen to it, it's you. There's that other bigger part that's going, oh, but if I don't, I'll never work. Like, Yeah, um, I, I just, the thing was for me, I couldn't bear changing myself to fit somebody else's idea of what I should be. It just didn't feel right to me. And I was just, a, at that time, I was maybe 16 and I, I, it just didn't feel right. But I thought, okay, well, when I'm old enough, I'll save my money and I'll move to England to a place where there's more people that look like me and I'll just be able to do my thing over there. And that was my where, where I thought I needed to be. You were living in England? Yeah. For, for how many years were you in the uh, state? Seven years. Seven years, and then yeah. you came back to Australia, yeah. and you were going to give up music completely. Yes. And then Call On Me happened, and we had the billion. Yeah, yeah then the billion came. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Bring in the billion. <laughs> and you've, you've been living in LA for the last couple of years as well. Yes, correct. So with this very, oh my God, I'm going to say like pinball equatorial life you've got living Mm. do you feel those places and spaces have influenced you not just in yourself and your own growth but also in your music oh a thousand percent I think that you just see how other people live when you when you sort of travel you just get to see all different types of things and Australia is beautiful um but I will say you know there's a lot of other things to see in the world and just other people go through a lot of struggles and it's very polarized. Like you get to see that in England. When I was living in East London, there were uh, there was a huge Jamaican community, and I used to love that. I used to love seeing the different cultures because when I was young in Australia, there there wasn't anyone that looked like me on TV. My relatives were the only black people that I knew until I was nineteen. So it was just amazing to walk around and see so many brown faces. I was just you know, it was a great thing. It it sort of made me open my eyes and I learned about fashion and I learned about different things and foods and you know all that so soaking up all that culture was a really good thing and I got really into dance music when I lived in England. Well you did get really into dance music and then clearly the dance music loved you I know like Belgium were like number one. Yeah (laughs) yeah that was amazing Um, and Sweden as well which is a place where I really honed my songwriting skills I'd go back and forth between London and Sweden and for them to make that record number one, I was just amazed. And the Swedes so are just like, I just like to think they're like sort of dance pop royalty. Yeah. They are, aren't they? Yeah, they <laughs> just really get it. It's yeah. just what they do. It's in their blood. And um, yeah, but it was awesome for my song to be number one there. I had no idea that that was a possibility. 
And yeah, pretty, pretty special. That's awesome. Now, I want to talk to you about your music. Obviously, there are elements of pop. There's elements of R&B. We get the dance hall club fillers. We get some soul. But I think that comes with the gravitas to your voice. Yep. How would you describe your musical style, Starly? I think it's kind of um, like a mishmash of a lot of things. I, my parents are very, very mixed. My mum is half Australian, quarter Filipino, quarter Japanese, and my dad's Mauritian. Um, and so we grew up listening to all types of things. My mum used to be a lounge singer back in the day, long, long time ago. They grew up in Surrey Hills. Um, and so she used to sing Carol King, all these kind of old classics, and she, she'd play that in the kitchen all the time. And then my dad, he always worked from home. He, he has a blinds company. And so he'd play his music out the back, and that was George Benson and a little bit of a little bit of everything but some Mauritian music as well. So I grew up with a lot of different sounds and influences. And I was in a South African band um, when I was around 18, and that was because the music scene in Sydney is a little bit tough. You, unless you're singing covers, you can't really get anywhere. And I joined a, a, a Zulu band because I wanted to learn about African beats, where my dad was from. And even though it was slightly different, it was still African beats and learned about harmonies and I played djembe and sung. And so my music has a, a mixture of all that. You can hear, even in Call On Me, you'll hear a bit of that tropical feeling because that's just what I love. So, yeah, it's a mixture. It's layered. It's you. It's what we sound like. I love it. Can I ask you, yeah. did you always want to do this? Yeah. Um, yeah, since I was very, very young, I I watched the movie La Bamba. Do you know that movie? Yeah, yeah. do I know that movie? Yeah, it changed my <laughs> life. I have a tattoo of the, the um, Richie and the oh, flying guitar. Oh, my goodness. Because when I was super young, I might have been five, uh, we didn't come from a rich family and um, there was five kids in our family. And it's I call it a rainbow family because I have a brother that's white with blue eyes and we're all different colours. And um, every week, I'm just painting this picture for you so you can imagine, there was five little rascals. My dad would take us all to the video store and he'd let us free and that was our treat for the weekend. You go and pick your own video and that's what we were going to do. We we're going to watch a ton of videos, whatever we wanted. And so I'd pick my video and every time it was the same video. My parents used to joke, oh, we could have bought this video 10 times over for the amount of times this kids watched La Bamba. But they did know that I loved music so much. And so they, they could see that it was in me. And my mom knew. She gave me a stage name. So she knew it was in me since I was a baby as well. She always, when I was born, she gave me the name Starly because she said she knew I'd be a singer. So, um, so yeah, I watched that movie and it, it basically... It changed my life. When I when I heard the melodies, I was just addicted and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to change people's lives with music. I wanted to, people to smile and have fun and dance. And um, I wanted to buy my mum a house. That was that was it. <laughs> that's so beautiful. I don't hear enough support from Richie Valens anymore. I'm, really, I'm loving <laughs> no that. No one talks about him. <laughs> no one talks about him and no one talks about that film. They it's just... so random. But, you know, Australians, we really love pop music. And it's just so melodic, you know, the yeah. old rock music. The, the melodies are so catchy. They're so catchy and they're repetitive. It's like yep. early Beatles stuff. I'm down with you completely. Um, I want to talk to you about your tracks. Now, you've obviously got tracks on love, loss, feeling low, uh, a lot of which are then punctuated with these kind of upbeat, dancey melodies. You've yep. even got songs about, you know, you've got the endless possibilities of life. Mm. How do you navigate and collate the many things that clearly inspire you? I think um, these are some good good questions you're asking me today. I think um, for me, 
I have to go off a feeling. I'll write, I'll write 20 songs before I get the one idea that I really want to go with. And it has to just be something stirring in me. And if it's stirring, it was the same with Love is Love or with Lovers and Strangers. As soon as something stirs in me, I know I'm ready to write. And uh, it's just pure inspiration, I think, and, and living. And it's wanting to tell a story. I've always loved telling stories. And so it's just those things that help me to sort of navigate, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about today. This is what I'm going to sing about. And I'll scrap it if it doesn't feel like it's going in the direction, in the right direction. I'm very, very picky. with. So that's why I've, I'm about to release my first album. It's taking me so long. It's just because I'm very picky and I can't imagine singing songs that aren't true to me. And I know that life changes um, and that some songs might not completely resonate with me at, a, at a, the exact time, but it needs to feel so true that no matter how old I get, I could sing that song and I still feel like it takes me back there that I am true to, to what I'm singing about. So, um, so yeah, it's pure inspiration, I think. And you're so right. And I think, well, I mean, I'm even learning doing this job. Yeah. What a lot of us don't realise is how long it takes to produce, write, relate a pop song. So you can write about a breakup or you can write about a fight with your parents or whatever, and it will take years and you've moved on, you've patched up, you're dating someone else, yep. but you still got to sing that song and you still got to feel the yeah. power of that song. Yeah, and even with Love is Love, sometimes it's hard for me to sing it because I feel like we've moved on since then. Our, fam our families, my family's kind of... They're getting, you know, used to the idea. I wouldn't say that they're like over the moon about it, but they love my girlfriend and they understand to a degree and they're, they're learning and they're trying really hard and I appreciate that so much. So bring, going back and singing this song, you know, is hard sometimes, but at the same time I know it helps others. So yeah. then I have to do it. That's what I was, that's what I was born to do. So you're Richie Valens. <laughs> that's it. Sorry, you're lumbering people. <laughs> I'm lumbering people, serenading them. <laughs> There's your next tattoo. Although it might get like misread. So yeah, probably don't. just lumbering. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk to you as well about pop music. Yeah. So of course, this is where we're here. We're women in pop, but pop music of well, personally, it has changed and it is so much broader to how we were raised, particularly in Australia and what we thought of it. We've come so far, particularly now if you look back on early pop music and you look at the lyrics, you're like, oh, we just sung along to that. It made no sense. It was yeah. really misogynistic. Yeah. With most of your tracks, there is real heart and as previously mentioned, this honest connection with both the music and the lyrics. We can relate on such a scale do you see pop music today as more than just a platform to entertain and to get people dancing? Do you feel it as a platform to expand social awareness? Yeah, for sure. But if I just think about that all the time, it would really be a huge burden to carry around when I'm trying to write a song. Um, but it is in the back of my mind, just like when I put out um, Love is Love, even Lovers and Strangers, those types of songs make me nervous every time to put them out because I think it's just really giving people a direct window into my life. And sometimes that's a bit scary. Um, but it's very important to, to kind of sing things that mean something to you and that, you know, are, you know, that you've had experience in life experience for me as a songwriter. Um, I have to have had that ex personal experience and connection. Um, so yeah. You can't just can't just wing it and pretend to be someone else's emotions. It's got to come from you. It's got to come from the heart, yeah. And so I think that's that's really that's really important. And I think that there are 
you know, like with Love is Love, I didn't know that that was going to be something that people took and said, you know what, I played this for my mom and dad and this, you know, and even the way you're talking about it, I didn't realize that connection that it had with people a lot of the time. All I knew is that it was a story that was true to me. And I try not to carry that burden of the fact that, yeah, it could bring huge social awareness and change. I just try to do what I do because I think that, it will just come naturally and it will flow. But I definitely understand that it's very powerful. There's a girl, um, Lizzo, who's massive at the moment in America, who you might know, who sings a lot about self-love. It's it's like ba- back when India RE came out and everybody yeah. thought, oh, this woman's amazing because she's just singing, you know what, I don't have to wear makeup. I don't have to shave my legs if I don't want to. I can just sing and be who I want to be and you, none of you are going to stop me. And that's what this girl is basically doing as well. And I love it. I love it so much to hear little girls singing that. And it's this big black woman singing these songs. It's epic. So good. Oh, that's so good. You're getting the cheer squad out. Yeah. We did just discuss your debut album, which is hella exciting. As you mentioned, you know, it's been a while, but it's not been a while like we've been watching our watches, but you've been releasing tracks and this and that. Yeah. And you're getting the right feel. I know you've been creating it in LA. Yeah. I'm seeing some pictures. Yeah. What can we expect um, I think you just expect more of me, just more of my stories. <laughs> if you want to be be listening to my stories, then you're going to hear those. Um, but yeah, more more beats. There's there's something coming. My next single, After Lovers and Strangers, is my favorite song off the album. And I just started learning to play guitar. And so as I was learning these chords, I'd written this chorus and I thought it was kind of a little bit simple, a little bit too simple, which for a pop song is kind of crazy, but... I learned this, I kind of had written it and I played it to one of my friends and I thought I was going to get rid of the song. I played it to her and she's American, proper LA girl. She heard it and she she said, this song is so sick. I would party to this song. You have to finish it. And so I went and finished it and it's actually now my favorite song off the album. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but yeah, every song is quite soulful. There's always something emotional in there because that's just me. Even though I'm always smiling, I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty introspective and emotional deep down. And so all the songs are that, but they all have beats and they all have a good tempo and they feel hopeful and, um, yeah, hopefully move your body a little bit to them. Yeah. I think, well, that's what your songs do. And I think what's so beautiful about your music, like we mentioned, there is a real honesty, there's a message, but it's not, people listen when they're not being shouted at. Yeah. And this is coming from someone that listened to a lot of punk rock when she was young. But I'm, yeah. <laughs> later on, we actually take in the message when we're not being shouted at. You see it with children. You see it with politicians. You see it everywhere. Yeah. When someone can have a discussion, particularly when someone can dance to that discussion, we yeah. listen. We want to hear the music. We, we, we start with the music. We start with the feet. And then we want to listen to the lyrics. And I really think that that's something that you're creating and you're putting out there. And it's absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. You're actually making me understand myself during this conversation. (laughs) I'm like, actually, that's, yeah, I never thought about that. But it's more just my taste. That's what I like. So that's funny that you You want to hear the feeling without being shouted at. Yeah. And on that note, with the many Starly fangirls, fanboys, fan people out there just cheering for you, and like you said, you've got these little girls shouting, what is the message for your your cheer squad out there? What is the thing you hope to instill in the future generation? I think the biggest thing, and this is cliche, everybody knows this, but it's really, really true to stay true to who you are and don't take people's opinions too seriously, whether they're good or bad. It's actually something that 
I've I've had to learn, um, and I've learned it the hard way. But I'd but now I understand that fully, and I really want young people to understand that you know only you know best where you're meant to be and where you're going, and nobody can can change that for you except for you. So follow your heart and be yourself. Um, and being different is a great thing. You don't have to hide that. Hide, you know, show your uniqueness, show, show who you are and talk about your personal stories and, and be who you are and be proud to be who you are. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my, whatever. Yeah. I don't want to say gift. I was about to say gift and I was like, I shouldn't say that. It's not a gift. This is my mantra. This is my proclamation. Well, this is just what I've realized over time. I've realized that nobody's opinion really super matters when it comes to, you know, telling you who you are. You you know who you are. That's it. Just go go with it and be yourself. And um, yeah, just just understand that it can you can be really a positive influence for other people uh, if you just be yourself. So yeah. And before we leave, Starly, what is up next for you? Uh, I'm performing. I'm opening for Carly Ray, uh, Carly Ray Jepsen, uh, on the 26th of November at the Enmore Theatre in Sydney, and then in Melbourne on the 2nd of December. At the uh, Fonda, the Fonda, the Forum, <laughs> at the Forum in Melbourne, and then in Auckland as well uh, at Town Hall on December fourth. So if you want to catch any of those shows, that's where I'll be. Oh my! You just get to just sing with some of Women in Pop's favorite people. Like pretty it's- awesome. <laughs> I know from Katie and Carly. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be next, but it's pretty awesome. I'm really grateful that they that they've opened their hearts to me and Katie really. Both of them actually picked me out of a bunch of people, and I can't believe it. I just keep thinking, why? Why would you pick me? It just it's amazing. Well, because so, you're rad. But I love the awesome. fact that you're so humble. You're going, but she picked me. <laughs> well, you know, but it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> but I'm really appreciative, and yeah, I can't wait to do the show. Starly, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yay. <laughs> Listeners, Starly's latest single, Lovers and Strangers, is out now across all platforms. It is an absolute gem, so tune in, stream it, download it as much as you can. And before we go, a reminder that Issue 7 of Women in Pop magazine is out very soon, so to get your copy before everybody else, go to womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. And for more Women in Pop, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search Women in Pop. Thank you for listening. There will be more from us very soon. So next time from myself and the wonderful Starly, goodbye. Bye.